Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. I'm really enthused. I'm really excited to have on the show today, Benjamin Gilo. And Benjamin is the CIN Executive Director for Boulder Valley Care Network. He's done some exciting things. He's, he's doing some exciting things right now. Very enthused and, and excited to have him on the show. Benjamin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Anthony. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Yeah, thanks. Well, so a couple things. Thanks for peeling off time to do this, uh, to share your story with us and to share your passions. Uh, and so really, really excited that you were able to make time to do this. I guess, you know, that being said, take us back, teleport us back to, you know, some of the series of events that you've gone through throughout your life that have led you to become the person you are, or simply put, tell us a little bit about your origin story. Sure thing. And I will try to give my origin story with giving as a few buzzwords as possible. I'm sure I'm going to <laughs> fail at that just because, you know, the industry that we're in. Uh, currently, my role is, uh, as you introduced me, I'm the executive director of Boulder Valley Care Network. Uh, we are a clinically integrated network in the Boulder Valley area. And Boulder Valley is uh, Boulder uh, Colorado plus neighboring cities and counties. I represent roughly 360 physicians. We are an independent uh, network, which by that I mean our parent company, Boulder Community Health, is the only um, wholly owned, self-sufficient health system on the Front Range area. So Front Range being uh, Colorado, right where the mountains start. Uh, we really are driving clinically integrated network to be our population health platform. And how I got here really is I've been all over the country uh, working with clinically integrated networks as a vehicle to drive population health. And so, as I mentioned, we're about 360 strong. I would say that we're a mid-sized network. I've worked with networks as small as 50 physicians and networks as big as 5,000 physicians. and uh, really looking uh, what I, where I've been historically. I used to work for Trinity Health where I worked at our system office helping us expand and build clinically integrated networks across the nation. Uh, when I started working with Trinity, I believe we had two clinically integrated networks. And by the time I left for this current role, we had 17 or 18, depending on how you're defining clinically integrated networks. Uh, prior to that, I was a practice manager for a family medicine practice, driving patient-centered medical homes. And so really throughout my whole career, I've just been trying to figure out what's the best method to uh, drive this whole thing that we call population health and understand how we can best serve the populations that we serve. I love it. I love it, Ben. Yeah, no, this is, well, so first of all, thank you for sharing your background and what led you to where you're at. You know, definitely phenomenal impact that you've had on communities, on patients, on health in general. Um, tell us a little bit about population health. How do you think about population health? And you know, what are some things in population health or, or beyond that really capture your fascination uh, these days? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, we going back to, you know, buzzwords, let's just start with the, the first one, population health itself. And for the life of me, I, I like to consider myself somewhat of an expert on this topic. And 
every three or four months, I go back to Google searching what the actual definition of population health is to make sure that I'm remembering it correctly. Um, we always, we sometimes can uh, forget to distinguish what the difference between population health and public health is. But generally, my definition that I've liked to use is um, this is this is our our approach to changing the purpose of our industry. So if we go back from the I don't know the 70s through the 90s. Um, our healthcare industry had a strong focus on driving uh, enhancements in technology and driving learning what we can do, what the next cure would be for healthcare, and seeing how we can expand what we can do to support the people we serve. How can we get it that people can have longer lives? How can we get it so that if you lived in America and you can afford it, uh, you could get the best care that you couldn't get anywhere else in the world. And with that purpose, we did a very good job. Uh, we are, from the advancement standpoints, we we are the innovators for the world. Mm-hmm. We create new procedures. We create the uh, new technologies, the new drugs that drives uh, new cures for different care. Uh, the challenge is that uh, we weren't happy with what our outcomes were. Even though we were meeting our goals and what we were trying to accomplish, something was missing. And I see population health as uh, is changing the definition of success. And the definition of success is how do we find out how to uh, help our population, help our nation have a healthier population? How do we have it that we can live fuller lives? Um, a little bit about me that I forgot to mention in my origin story is I am the son of a teacher and a bankruptcy attorney. And I think that that has driven my perspective on healthcare quite a bit is one, we oftentimes from the teacher's perspective, we, we as, um, as experts in the field, we know what makes us healthier, better exercise, better diet. It's not really rocket science. It's more how do we drive into those social determinants? How do we figure out uh, what's causing us not to um, do what we know we should be doing? Uh, sometimes it's that while we, the experts, know it, the, the average individual doesn't. Uh, and then from the lawyer's perspective, from my father's perspective, uh, over half of his clients, healthcare bills were part of the reason that they went into bankruptcy or that they had to file bankruptcy. And uh, while we have all these choices and we have all these technologies for those who can afford it, um, it doesn't help if none of us can afford the care that's offered to us. So how do we drive healthcare to be uh, more affordable, more cost effective so that we get the outcomes we have or that we desire? And so really rolling it all into one uh, my my de- definition that I've used for myself for population health is how do we get it so that we get the most most uh, return on the investment that we have in our whole industry? How do we get it so that we're healthy uh, individuals, that we live happy, full lives, that we're productive, that we uh, that we can manage and work on our our jobs a lot, that we don't have to take all these six days, and. Um, and it's a real major aspect of the success of our nature or as our, of our nation as a whole. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, Ben, this is phenomenal. I mean, what's really cool is the spectrum, right? So, you know, having been raised in those disciplines and, and having that shape your your thinking, uh, you know, and apply it to population health is phenomenal. Uh, ben, let me, let me ask you about population health solutions in action, right? So what are some, some solutions, projects, initiatives, or some more con some contacts on, you know, proactive ways of solving for population health problems? What are, what, what are you seeing out there that works, whether it's, uh, you know, a geeky technical solution or it's, it's a process, it's a mindset, what, what's working these days? What's the, what's the difference that's making the difference? I think that's the trillion dollar question. Really. <laughs> that's what that's, I think we're right now We're we don't have a direct answer. We don't know exactly. Mm -hmm. And we're at the cusp of finding out the answer. Mm -hmm. So there's multiple different aspects. Uh, there's the care model, there's the concept of big data and how we're using big data. I think they're all going to play a role in finding the answer to that question. And I think we're still trying to figure out exactly what the answer is. Uh, what I've seen, uh, let's just start with the technology and data standpoint. Um, and I, I mentioned earlier that a, a lot of what drives health, um, it, we're already pretty familiar with it. Um, it's, it's those preventive type efforts. It's the how do we engage the individual on uh, managing his or her own health. And uh, finding ways that we can do that is uh, what's going to drive success. Uh, what I would call out what my organization has been uh, working on is um, how can we use technology to support the provider? Uh, historically, and we can look at what's been going on with meaningful use, uh, one of the things that we attempted to avoid from the 1990s managed care effort was to make sure that we weren't restricting care. Mm -hmm. I think that that was a large contributing factor to the uh, data reporting processes that we put in play because we wanted to make sure that uh, people were getting appropriate care, that they weren't mm -hmm. getting too um, and that they're getting high quality care. And we put a lot of efforts into making sure that we're driving quality. And what I suspect that we're going to see over the course of the next few years is that uh, we actually, from a clinical quality standpoint, um, the variation, the variance, and there is some variance, but um, it's probably not worth the investment, the cost, the expense that we put into the quality reporting. And so thinking from as basic as a physician productivity standpoint, if a physician, any, any minute that a physician's spending uh, checking boxes is one less minute uh, working with the patient. And so what I suspect we'll see from a technology standpoint is technology making it so that the physician can spend more time with the patient and drive a, a more enhanced interaction between the care provider and the patient. I call that out because I think a lot of technologies today are trying to replace the provider. And I don't think that that's, that's necessarily the approach that we uh, should be going because um, one of the challenges that we have from a healthcare industry standpoint is um, our patients need need that uh, relationship. Uh, they need someone, a warm individual who's knowledgeable, who they can trust, who can consult them, 
throughout their whole life's challenges in healthcare, and that is the provider, the physician, um, advanced practice clinicians, nurses. Uh, we, from the care model, we can figure out how to optimize the, the use of everyone. I'm sure that there's some sort of team-based care model that we'll see in the future. We're really tr- trying to figure out how we can make make it so that the most people can get the most care uh, from our uh, healthcare providers. And that would be what we'd be focusing on. And then also making sure that we're, um, how we, uh, how we pay for care or how we pay for health outcomes that it's as best aligned with, um, what we actually want to accomplish. And so, uh, we, I mean, another big buzzword that we have these days is value-based contracting. Uh, I actually, uh, I was, um, away for a wedding this past week and the father of the bride was a family medicine practitioner and he told me his his feelings on value-based contracting was just uh, insurance companies trying to find ways to pay the primary care provider less mm-hmm. and so uh, we've we've sometimes and I would say and and I actually there was another person in the <laughs> bridal party that was from the insurance side and we were both saying no actually it's the opposite we want to right. pay the primary provider more more but right. yeah. um but this is i mean this is part of the challenges of us going through this big changes we're still trying to figure it out and um and some yeah. people remember some of the mistakes that we made 5 10 15 years ago and and that's what they're piggybacking on yeah yeah no absolutely absolutely the times are changing for sure ben and, and mm-hmm. it's super it's super exciting you're you're in the thick of it and um you know, the things you're working on are really setting up and paving a way for, for new possibilities in care, right? Um, models, Absolutely. operations. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, along those along those lines of thinking about foundations for the future, tell me a little bit, Ben, about your vision of healthcare in the future. What's that optimistic vision that we're marching towards or <laughs> the, 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 the future that you're, you're trying to manifest that you believe in your heart that we need to get to? Just love to hear a description, you know, a narrative around that future. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's a that's a fun one to think about. Um, what I envision, and I think that we we're starting to get closer. And so, right, um, I usually when someone asks me this question, "Are we going to fix healthcare?" and I I say, "I think we are. I'm hopeful that we are going to quote unquote fix healthcare." Um, and it, and it's going to be in a relatively short time. Mm-hmm. And how I would envision that happening is that we, we've um, effectively al- aligned um, all those involved. Mm-hmm. And so by alignment, um, let's, let's just take the very basic uh, EMR alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, the EMRs struggle at interacting with each other and driving interoperability. And a lot of time and effort and money is invested into figuring out workarounds so that we can, and by we, I mean healthcare providers can share basic clinical information with each right. other. Right. Uh, I, think, I think that that problem has been properly diagnosed and uh, there are incentives uh, coming top down that will help drive a fix in that. And so I think that we'll see five years from now that 
uh, healthcare providers, regardless of what EMR they're on or regardless of what medical record that they are using, that they will be able to share information with each other and effectively work more as a team. I do think that the team aspect is a key uh, role that we're going to see in the future. Uh, it's, it's sort of funny seeing it go back to kind of the, the good old days mm-hmm. where they, um, uh, primary care, preventive services, um, self-management is, is coming front and center again. Um, and, and not to say that, you know, not, not to downplay the work of the specialists because that's, that's a key, uh, function there. There's just so much that we can do to help our patients. I think what we're going to find is we're going to more effectively find a way to um, help more people, regardless of what their needs are. Right. And then, and then the last part, the kind of in alignment is that whole incentive part. I think that there's going to be, um, there's going to be a lot more um, engagements of the patient population. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I, and we see this with high deductible health plans, and I'm not saying that high deductible health plans are the, the way of the future, but figure out some way that the, um, the patients um, do, and by patients, I always feel weird using the word patients. We're not, we're not right. just caring for people when they're in the, in the hospital anymore. Right. And figuring out how we engage individuals throughout their whole lifespan and so that they understand the long-term impact of the choices that they make and so that they can make educated choices and then also be um, uh, accepting when, you know, we, I, we all eat unhealthy. We all kind of make our own personal choices, but um, be accepting of the, the downstream impact on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ben, absolutely. It's it's. It, I love the way you framed it too on the last piece. Obviously, everything you're you're mentioning here about the future is exactly, you know, the pieces that 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 um you know the possibilities are are going to come together. I do believe in what you're saying, absolutely. And I, I love the articulation of like, yeah, you can't refer to, I mean, you have to refer to them as patients, right? But it, the perspective, the mindset, the broadness of thinking of patients as people, the community. It's, it's a hospital CEO, right? An executive team thinking about the human beings in their area, right? And how to influence things. It's a, it's a total like different way of thinking. So I appreciate, you know, that perspective. If I'm playing it back correct, hopefully Ben, I am. But Yeah, uh, yeah but, you uh, are. Yeah. I think the, the biggest challenge that we have right now with that thought process is, um, and, I, and I don't mean this as, as a hit on anyone, but uh, we, we, we all have fiduciary duties of some sort or other. And, and it's very hard when you talk about preventive care, something you do today may impact someone 15, 20 years from now. And there's so many different factors that can in, impact that individual. And so the, uh, the revenue streams, the cost streams, they get a lot grayer in this population health uh, world, and it's and that's I think the biggest challenge for us as an industry is to figure out how we're going to resolve uh, that aspect of it. Because um, I mean, we have to we have to be held accountable to something, right? We can't just we can't spend our. Um, I mean, we're already 
what are we, somewhere around 19% of the GDP is yeah. uh, healthcare costs. So we can't expect that to continue to rise. So we have to be good stewards of our expenses. And it's going to just become harder and harder for us to do that. I, I'm right there with you, Ben. I'm right there with you, Ben. Um, it's 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 exciting. It's exciting. And well, I guess the the a few things. Um, uh, a follow up to that, but I guess before the follow up to that, what you're mentioning here, um, what would be a good way for our listeners to get in touch with you if they would like to interact with you, like stay on social media or reach out direct, if you'd like any of that <laughs> to occur, Ben. Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I'm a millennial that doesn't really work too strongly on social media, but uh, you can reach out directly to me, my email. So it's bjilo, and no one ever spells jilo correctly. It's b-b-i-a-l-o mm-hmm. at org, And so that would be the easiest way to connect with me. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Ben, yeah, just to follow up to that, really, I mean, no other questions, but other than I just Mm -hmm. wanted to say, I really appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate you carving out, peeling off time to be here, share your story with us, share your, 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 your past, the, the, you know, for teleporting us back to where, where things started for you and for Mm -hmm. sharing your passions and what you're working on from a, a deep and wide standpoint, operationally, know uh the financial aspects that you're impacting the projects the initiatives the leadership and what you're doing so it's very exciting very very enthused to hear the impact you're doing and i guess most importantly sharing your vision of of health in the future and where we're going in this value-based this new value-based economy that's upon us right now and and it's here and uh it's exciting that you're you're doing things in action to help manifest this 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 you know exciting future um so uh so ben Thanks again yeah. for being on the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Oh, for I appreciate here. it, Anthony. Love to have you back, and you know, always have you back, and and uh, share more about the initiatives and projects that you're doing. And uh, all all I want to say is this has been great. Really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely, I appreciate it myself. Great, great. Well, Ben, thank you so much, and to our listeners out there, Pop Health Show shows for anyone that has a passion for making people healthier in this world. Ben, this was great. Thanks again. All right. Have a good one, Anthony. You too. Thanks so much.